0: The Lord be with you. Amen. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He is the one of whom I said, A man is coming after me who ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. I did not know him, but the reason why I came baptizing with water was that he might be made known to Israel. John testified further, saying, I saw the Spirit come down like a dove from heaven and remain upon him. I did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, On whomever you see the Spirit come down and remain, he is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit." Now I have seen and testified that he is the Son of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Lord. As we are now at the beginning of what we call ordinary time after the Christmas season, we always begin with the baptism of our Lord. That's how he began his public ministry and made himself known, was there at the River Jordan when John, we just read how he testified that Jesus was the Son of God. I'd like to talk about baptism this morning and kind of do a little history of baptism and then sort of try to explain a little bit about what it means for us today Now there's a lot of history behind baptism and I'm only going to take one little aspect of what baptism meant for the first Christians. If we uh, think of the time of Jesus, they didn't really have a lot of of ways of communicating and when Jesus ascended into heaven and the apostles and disciples started to go in all different directions. It's amazing that despite being so far apart, they all were doing the same things. They had unique elements to wherever they were, if they were in, like Peter and Paul ended up over in Italy. Many went through uh, modern day Turkey, North Africa, Asia Minor. The churches were being built in all of those places and there was so much that they held in common Many things that for sure Jesus would have told the apostles to make sure that they did. And when we look at baptism, we do see a few of those common elements that are there. For the first uh, Christians, they realized that being baptized meant that you were sealed by God. If we go to the catechism just for a moment... I had to shorten the quote, number 1216. It's homework for you later. You can pull out your catechism. Uh, It lists all of the names that we have for baptism. It's God's most precious gift. And you can see I took out a big chunk of names, and I'm interested in the the last four. Gift, grace, anointing, and seal. That last word in particular in Greek, seal, the word would be sphragis. And uh, I love Greek so much that I failed it in seminary twice, and as you know that. But here again, a couple words I know sphragis, it's a seal. It would have been, it would have meant a few different things. We don't use them as much today, right? When you sign a letter, you just put your signature, which is kind of a modern day seal. But you would see if you get a fancy letter for a wedding, you might have a a daub of wax on the back and there's a seal imprinted in the wax. It was a mark that signified who it was from or who it belonged to. And in the time of Jesus, for example, sheep would have been sealed or marked to to make sure that everyone knew who the owner was. That's part of the reason the first Christians loved the image of Jesus, the Good Shepherd. All right, it meant you belonged to the flock of Christ. In the time of Jesus, they also, if you were part of the Roman legion, you would be branded or tattooed and sealed with a mark of Rome. And perhaps it would have the name of the general or which legion you were a part of. The first Christians also liked this imagery because being baptized was the moment you were sealed and marked as belonging to the army of Christ. We even read that this idea of being sealed is, is very present even in the letters of St. Paul. In 2 Corinthians, he writes, God has anointed us with his seal. And he uses the word in Greeks, phragis. There's another, a third meaning or a third, uh, you could say, usage of seals or sphragis in the time of Jesus. And part of it had to do, if you were part of some religious pagan cult, you might tattoo on your forehead or on your arm the symbol of the pagan deity that you were uh, worshiping. You see this a lot in the cult of Dionysius. They would put a mark on their forehead. And there's even writings of the cult of Dionysius where they would say, you know, because of their sphragis, they would say, let no one trouble us because we belong to Dionysius. And that was what the mark meant. It's interesting, Paul even says this. He sort of is, maybe he's poking fun at them a little bit, but in Galatians, he says, taking their own phrase from that cult of Dionysius, let no man trouble me because I have the marks of Jesus on my body. This idea of baptism being where you are marked as belonging to God uh, is also something important to remember when you read the book of Revelation. That last book of the Bible, it's full of all these crazy prophecies about like the four horsemen the dragon and the woman standing on the sun. And we also have the image of the mark of the beast. That's chapter 13. And to really understand what that means, you have to keep reading into chapter 14. When John wrote the book of Revelation, he didn't include chapters and verses. Those were added later. When John wrote it, it was one continuous story. He says, those who choose evil choose the mark of the beast, and those who choose Christ are the elect who are given the mark of Christ by our baptism. All right, so being baptized means you belong to the flock of Jesus. You are part of the army of Jesus. You are sealed as part of the children of god for us today i think that's important to remember that by our baptism and many of us here are preparing for baptism at easter to remember that by our baptism we're called to be proud of what we are and who we are many people might get a tattoo today that they regret later right and They cover them up or try to get them removed. There are Christians today who unfortunately kind of try to cover up the fact that they're Christian. There's a lot of different reasons why. Hopefully the way we're living our lives, the way we worship together, the type of community we are, is nothing you would ever be embarrassed about. Christ needs us to be his light in the world. To, to not be afraid to show your, your mark of Jesus, right? That invisible, you could say, seal that we have. Right? Part of that doesn't mean being someone who's always walking around with, you know, signs saying, like, the end of the world is near, repent. Doesn't mean being always judging and pointing out other people's faults. It simply means being a witness The world doesn't need more social media posts, it doesn't need more, you could say tribal politics, but the world does need the witness of people who love God and love their neighbor. A Christian is someone whose life is beautiful, is good and is true, we we fight for our marriages, we take care of our family and loved ones. That's what it means to be Christian. It also should mean for us today that anytime time we might have strayed a little bit off the path, to remember that we are part of the flock of Jesus and he's the good shepherd. And remember what he said? He'll leave the 99 if one of us is in any way in need of him. He will come to get us. It's beautiful to be able to allow him to come and rescue you anytime you need that being rescued. For example, by our sacrament of reconciliation. Now this idea of the mark to just conclude is also the basis of why Christians for 2,000 years have marked themselves by the sign of the cross. That's what you're doing when you make this gesture, right? It's reminding yourself and presenting to the world that you are marked for God that you are baptized, you have been sealed. So hopefully, you know, it's, it's something you see on sports, you know, the players will often make this gesture, and it's usually a, a very quick, you know, it's almost like you don't even really know anymore what they're doing, it's kinda like a, you know, thing. Hopefully we don't do that ourselves, right? That's a powerful thing, and once you're baptized, you can do that, and, and say those powerful words that mean something. Often, I think we, maybe we don't cover up that mark, but we forget about it, and we let a lot of things in the world sort of distract us from the most beautiful part of our life of being children of God, and we don't make choices because of the light of Christ, but we get distracted with the things of the world. Those who have the mark of the beast, you could say, are the ones that in pagan times would have been filling the Colosseum to watch the Christians being martyred. That's a powerful image, the, the bread and games and circus of the Roman times. I love sports myself, and I was watching football yesterday, but how often sports, whether they're on TV or in college sports or our sports for our kids, become that which decides everything in our life. And I know it must be really hard because of that and sports are wonderful but sometimes perhaps that can take away from the beauty of just time together. Christians are men and women who understand the beauty of being over doing and having. That's another sign that you belong to Christ. So my brothers and sisters let us give thanks for this great gift. Let us pray for those among us who are preparing for baptism and let us always when we make that mark on ourselves of, of the, the cross of Jesus, remember what it really means. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.